0: Welcome to XNO Quick Hits. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. Joined as always to take a little bit of a look at the film from an audio perspective and in a very condensed version with the man who is co host of our film room show on Turn on the Jets TV, our YouTube channel. His co host is Marcus Coleman, the former 11 year NFL veteran and former New York Jet. Of course, I am referring to Joe Blewett, who by the way is on the way to the airport to fly to Nashville to watch Josh McCown start against the Tennessee Titans on Sunday. Joe, what's going on, man?
1: Yeah, we just discussed this. Uh, I'll be brought, I'll be going to a Nashville Predators game before this uh, Jets game on Friday. Probably buy a Predators uh, sweatshirt, uh, wear that to the game. So I'm kind of like not necessarily rooting for the Titans, but wearing a kind of like a mutual thing, like okay, you root for the Predators. And then I'm going to have a Jets jersey underneath. If the Jets are winning the fourth quarter, I'll probably rip off the Predators sweatshirt and have a Jets jersey on because I do not feel like getting hot dogs and crap thrown at me for being a Jets fan because it does happen sometimes, especially in the upper levels. Um, so I'm going to go and join my time and uh, partially be a Titans fan because at this point, uh obviously like, i'm gonna root for the jets but do the jets winning does the jets winning really matter at this point no not really i do want the better traffic it is tank season so i'm gonna go enjoy myself and fully embrace the uh, the titans the predators and the Nashville area so
0: the wins and losses may not matter joe but the food and the music in nashville will so i expect a full report on that when we talk next week but as far as what matters for the jets Yes, it may not matter whether they win three or four or five games, but the film still matters because it'll tell us who's really progressing as a player, who's playing well, who should be kept for next year, who should have a prominent role next year. And that's really what we need to look at down the stretch with the film. So to that end, let's start with the offense. What did you see from the offense? And to me specifically, I was curious What did you see that was a difference between what you saw from Darnold and what you've been seeing from McCown? And also, how did Spencer Long look at guard? Because those were the two major differences in the offense over the last week or so.
1: Yeah, I thought um, Spencer Long was a little bit better at guard in the run game. You got him him pulling a little bit, which everybody saw that one truck that he had over. It was a defensive back, so it wasn't crazy impressive, but a lot of people see that one truck play uh, or pancake play. And they automatically assume he had a great game, which he still didn't. Um, but I think getting him moving a little bit, even though like, he's not the best athlete, uh, like I said, he's able to take advantage of his of his aggressiveness and his power that he has when he is pulling. So that popped up a little bit on film. He's a little bit better in the run game, uh, pass protection. He still had you know three, four, five pressures. He had a sack out on uh, on Darnold. I don't know Darnold on account. So he still overall was not good. Um, but maybe slightly better than terrible. (laughs) So that's, I guess, a a step in the right direction. And then uh, with McCown, it's the the same stuff. McCown is a 39-year-old or 40-year-old journeyman quarterback, and there's a reason why. Um, But the the offense is not not helping him a ton. The the offense is not very creative. We talked about a whole bunch of problems with Jeremy Bates and the offense. Um, And he made a couple of dumb plays. He missed a lot of throws deep. I uh, three or four balls deeper, just threw it out of bounds and didn't give, whether it be Robbie Anderson or Shane Curse a real chance to catch the ball, uh, and there was a play where he made just a really dumb uh, decision, an interception, where uh, the cornerback, I believe it was Gilmore, I could be wrong, um, had over top leverage on Robbie Anderson, and there was a check down wide open uh, with Elijah McGuire breaking out to the left side of the field, um, and instead of just throwing the check down where Elijah McGuire could have easily picked up five, ten, even more yards he could have broke just one tackle for a defensive back. Um Josh McCown just decides to chuck the ball up in the air because there's a little bit of pressure. So um and and me and Mark talk about it he's he's way too um he's been in the league for way too long to be doing that stuff and he made a couple of really bad mistakes. Uh, so he is what he is. We saw what Josh McCown is uh we also saw the limitations of the offense. And another thing with the offense that I wasn't Run game has been absolutely terrible this year, and we've talked about it literally every single week. I've talked about it even more on my show and showed you know multiple plays of film. But when the Jets run 15 times, 4.9 yards per carry for 74 yards, they're actually moving the ball a little bit in the run game. The Jets decide to not run the ball. So when the Jets can't run the ball, they keep running the ball, and when they can run the ball, they don't run the ball. So I I don't know how that that makes sense, especially with a quarterback and Tom Brady, who you hear good quarterbacks you know pressure them and keep them off the field. The Jets had an opportunity to keep them off the field a little bit. The run game was like they were already blown out where they had to pass the ball. So the, the, the offense was disappointing on, on many levels. Um, they scored 10 points in the first half, which was good. But at the same time, you know, being being who I am and just looking at the film and all stuff, they scored that because um, it was a 3rd-and-7 play. Josh McCown threw a three-yard route to Jermaine Curse on 3rd-and-7. So they picked up three yards and it was 4th-and-4. It would have been 4th-and-4. Um, but they got off the hook with a, um, what, what was it? a late hit on the quarterback. So they got 15 yards in and they scored from that, that point. And honestly, with the offense, and I'm not trying, I'm just trying to take it away, take, you know, things away from you. You have to be honest with, with the film is, uh, the Patriots, their, 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 uh, defense was just bad that game, uh, at, at points where they, they were not good in pass coverage. Uh, they got a ton of penalties. They, multiple times were blowing assignments or just taking really bad uh, technique off the line of scrimmage with the cornerbacks. Uh, where on that Jermaine I uh, curse touchdown, actually the cornerbacks was just extremely flat footed. Uh, and he was not, you know, you want to buzz your feet, you're playing off a little bit. And he just was flat footed. So he had no opportunity to, to, uh, to run with train curse when he did cut eventually. So the Patriots were not on and the Jets took advantage of penalties and things like that. So the offense was still really bad, I guess is the, uh, the, you know my long-winded answer turned short. So
0: you can only say what's true, and obviously from the end result, we know what the offense did on Sunday against the New England Patriots, and it really wasn't all that impressive. The defensive side of the ball, well, let's just say they almost gave up 500 yards of offense. So not a whole lot of impressive stuff there. Was there some good that maybe we didn't see on the surface? And as far as the bad, who were the main culprits, and what did you see there?
1: Nope, there is not more good. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, when when you're allowing what, I think, uh, I forget the exact numbers, were, and like you said, I am driving to the airport, but uh, I think they had like, what, 215 yards rushing. Uh, I know they had 60 yards per carry, which is awful. That's pretty much as bad as you can get, so the, the Patriots are just gashing them in the run game. Uh, a little bit a little bit of that was actually Avery Williams in this game, a little bit was Lee. Obviously the defensive line made absolutely no plays. It's another game where, you know, Leonard Williams, I he's still a good player, but as for as much as he disappears, um as a you know, sixth sixth overall pick and what we're expecting him to be, you can't pay him one of those big contracts. He disappears way too much regardless of double teams, all that stuff. You saw the stat if you're watching the Monday night football game with the Chiefs and uh Rams and obviously he's not Aaron Donald's level, but Aaron Donald's like on pace to be the, the all-time, or break the all-time sack record, he's getting double-teamed, I believe it's like 70-something percent of the time, so uh, Leo needs to make more plays, you're going to get double-teamed, you're going to get more attention if you're a top-flight play player and people are recognizing you, which he wants to be, um, and obviously he's a big focus on the you know, Jets defense line, because he's clearly the best player, so he needs to make more plays if he wants more money, and he wants to live up to that draft um, status, he's a good player at this point, but he's not in a pro-ball level player, um, so he was a culprit, um, Obviously, having Darrell Roberts instead of Marcus May hurts the, the, the run game um, a, a little bit because Marcus May is pretty good in the run game, uh, so I'll give him credit for that. And in terms of the corners, uh, Tremaine Johnson is bad. Uh, he, there's not a lot of plays that like, popped up on, on the screen this game uh, in terms of like him getting beat deep and stuff like that, but he still was not playing very well. Uh, Morris Claiborne, I, I think, is right now... Pretty Probably the most overrated jet. I've said it almost every single week and I watch him on film. I am, I am never really impressed with this guy. Uh, I know you have the completion percentages and when he's thrown against all the stuff we were talking before we started recording, or recording, how important it is to kind of take stats into context and okay, well, was he beat when he wasn't targeted? And that's the stuff I really watch and I see it frequently of him getting, um, beat, uh, whether, whether I said so like it's either he's not targeted, a missed throw, drop ball by the, by the receiver and his technique is just so poor at times, whether it be opening up his hips, um, in the wrong coverages, whether it's, you know, looking back at the quarterback when he's not supposed to, um, whether it's, you know, uh, turning and flipping his hips too, um, early or, or too late. Um, these are things that we really do like to break down in turn of the Jets film room. That's where you get on the show. We talk about every single thing, technique and all that stuff. So it's definitely better to watch it there. Um, but he was a culprit. So, it, it was really it was it was the overall defense. The only guy who I really gave like a plus rate to was Jamal Adams. Uh, obviously, he, he flashed a lot this game. Uh, one of his better games of the Jet. Now he d- still does have some issues in in coverage, and I've talked about that before. Uh, I know people are listening to this and saying, you know, this guy's crazy, but uh, like I said, film does not lie, and he still has some things to work on in there. And there actually was a play in the run game where he kind of, well, uh, he he messed up. A, he messed up actually a, a a bit on that play where it's pretty bad, but. Uh, Overall, he still was really, really good, and he was really the only guy on defense where I was like super impressed with. So uh, the defense overall, it was it was bad, and and for the Jets to be in this position of defense to be, to be playing this badly uh, on a week to week base or uh, on a weekly basis, where yet yeah, they had a good game against you know Miami, they had a good game against Denver for the most part. Um, but for for a guy who's a defensive coach to be having this many problems with his defense, where it's not even just talent, it's not okay. Well. You know the Jets are just they're 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 outmatched at this position. Where people before the season, I'm, I was not one of them, but I was in the range of okay, they can actually be a pretty solid defense. Maybe maybe a mid-level defense, maybe a little bit higher if they overachieve. So they have talent on this defense. they be playing as bad as they are, um, you know, let's say what nine out of the eleven weeks or eight out of the eleven weeks this year, um, it's it's a it's a really you know bad thing, and it, and it kind of falls on the coaching because they are not this this bad. They have more talent than than the way they're playing. Um, at this point in time so the uh the defense was bad just like the offense
0: real quickly joe because i know you're just about to pull up to your destination which is the airport to go fly to nashville how much of the problems do you think are the players not doing their jobs and how much of it is poor coaching so execution versus preparation is it 50 50 60 40 70 30 what do you think
1: yeah, I'm not gonna lie to you. That's that's. I talked about, more just about his 50s. Obviously, he's been in NFL rooms and meeting rooms and film rooms. Um, it's hard to tell from the outside because there's times where I know Darnold Wilson's really hyped up. But um, one of my favorite positions to break down is the corners, and we talk about a lot of their technique uh, on the show a lot. And they consistently have bad technique week in and week out, and you notice it. And like oh, I mean, we say, like, okay, I don't know why on this play he's bailing out so early, and the next week you know, he bails out early. Next week he bails out early. So. Is it is it the players um just doing what they know to do and what they're comfortable with? Or is it Denard Wilson allowing them to do that, or is Denard Wilson telling them this but they're still doing it? So it's it's really a hard thing to find um like who is to blame because I'm not in, in those meeting rooms, but it's it's a mixture of both because listen, if and I'm just using the cornerbacks as an example, but this obviously applies to the whole team from on the offensive line to the receivers to the pass game to you know, et cetera. Um, if you're not going to do what I'm telling you, um, then you should be benched and I should be, you know, then the coaches should be held accountable for not benching their players and not making them accountable for messing up. But at the same time, if they, are, if they are telling them to do this, then they're still to the blame. So the coaches are in some way to blame for this because they're not benching their players or they're not teaching them. The players, it, they're at they're fault too because they're the ones doing it, so they're the, they're the ones to blame because they watch the film. They're, they are, they are professionals. They are getting paid millions of dollars. So even if they're getting taught the wrong thing, they have to fix their techniques you know, to, to better themselves and better the team, um, or they're just not learning. So let, let's call it 50-50. They're both to the blame. Um, for the numerous reasons I just said, there's, there's kind of like four different categories you can put it in towards. But regardless, they're, they're, they're all responsible at, at this point. Um, because like I said, it's, it's defensive lapses that are laughable. We went over some this week that, that you don't see high school teams make it. I'm not even just saying that. There are really bad, bad, uh, communication errors. And you even heard, uh, Rich Chamini came out with that quote from Avery Williamson saying that they're still having miscommunications, um, not passing things off correctly. Um, they're not picking up each other's zones. You see them biting really hard on play action, but they're basically, you know, they're, they're in, every, in any zone coverage, minus like the middle of a Tampa too, but in most of the zone coverage is that middle portion between the underneath zones and the overtop zones. That, that's the, that's the, that weak spot of it. But the Jets, ha- and it's usually like, okay, like five yards. Like that's that sweet spot between, you know, that deep corner and that in- intermediate hook to curl zone. You know, I'm going to hit that five-yard window with that quarterback if he's really good. Uh, but you have to be on on point to hit that. You know, versus most teams. But with the Jets, I watched the film, and and the hole is freaking 20 yards wide, and you're playing Tom Brady, so it, it's 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 bad um, to watch at times. Uh, it's really really elementary type problems. The Jets are having miscommunication, jumping up in their zones, opening their hips too early. Playing too far off on third and three, um, it, it, it seriously is endless at, the, at this point. I'm hoping it, it changes next year because I said this before on my show. Um, I'm discrediting myself, but I'm, I'm a nobody. I should not be able to watch this film. And be like, what are they doing? Like, and and I'm not just Monday morning quarterback where right? I don't know what I'm watching. Like, it's 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 it is bad. It is really bad. And for Todd Bowles, it's an indictment on him because he is air quotes defensive you know coordinator mastermind and all this stuff, really creative, and um, it's just not showing really, really at all at this point.
0: I must correct one thing, Joe. You are not a nobody. You are the co-host of the critically acclaimed TOJ Film Room at TurnOnTheJets.com, TurnOnTheJets Digital, and of course, our YouTube channel, Turn on the Jets TV. Never forget that, Joe. Never forget who you really are, my friend. <laughs> Yeah, no, I
1: um at least I'm self taught, so I should not be able to watch uh NFL film and be picking apart the Jets like it's like high school football. But uh you know, ho- hopefully that will change soon and uh I, I you know, I appreciate being the T O J Film Room uh host. It means a lot.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And you and Marcus Coleman, who is also somebody by the way, somebody who played in the NFL for eleven years. Break down that Jets film, even when it can be a chore because it's got to get done because people need to know what they're seeing when they look at these guys in a football game, not just what they're looking at at first glance, but what's really happening on the football field. They need to know it because they want to know how the young players are progressing. They want to know who should still be here next year, who's actually playing well versus who the media is telling them is playing well. And you guys do a great job of building Mm -hmm. up the true narratives and breaking down the fake narratives on the show every week. Again, it's our YouTube channel. Turn on the jets TV on YouTube. Go ahead and subscribe. If you haven't already, I obviously am subscribed. I watch every week. You should be too. Joe, for anybody who isn't following you or Marcus or watching the show, go ahead and tell them what they need to do to get more involved with seeing what's really happening on the football field with the New York jets every Sunday.
1: Uh, yeah, just, it's just TOJ space film, space room on iTunes, YouTube or something turn on the jets on in the search bar. You'll find us there. Um, and like you said, it's, uh, it's, there's no, when you listen to a lot of shows, whether it be ESPN radio, whatever it is, you're listening to guys. who don't really know what they're talking about. I'm not trying to be a, a jerk about it, but it is true that you take, you take narratives. Um, okay. He played well, or he didn't play well, but they can't tell you why exactly the technique he's using, the defense he's playing in. um, Okay, well, did this corner not not carry this guy far enough, or was he playing in cover two and and he had an intermediate zone and it was a safety's fault? Where people might be blaming that corner, but maybe really it was Marcus May or Jamal Adams who didn't come over top quick enough. Like, do do people really know that stuff? So are they putting the blame on the right people? And that's the stuff we're going to tell you. That's the stuff we're going to teach you. Um, so you're really going to learn who is playing well and who's not playing well who's not coaching well and what they can do better, like all that stuff. So we really do take pride in that. Um, and even if you don't want to listen to me, like, like I said, I'm a nobody. So if people are listening and saying, oh, well, who cares about this guy? Who the hell is he? I do it with a guy who played the NFL for 11 years. So it, it, uh, it kind of helps my credibility. And um, the dude is smart as well with Marcus Coleman. So um, definitely check us out. Uh learn a lot about the Jets. I know it's a little bit difficult right now, but um, I would appreciate anybody listening, you know, coming over, rating, subscribing, all that stuff. So you can find me there. Uh, Twitter, JoeRB31, so that's where uh, where I'm
0: at. Thanks, Joe. Have a safe flight. Have a fun trip to Nashville. We'll talk again next week when we break down the film from this game with the Jets taking on the Tennessee Titans on Sunday. Until then, make sure you subscribe to Joe and Marcus, Turn on the Jets TV on YouTube, and for all the latest and greatest in New York Jets news and information, you know there's only one place to go, and that's TurnOnTheJets.com.